Today is Monday, July 11th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Elon Musk's Twitter deal appears heading for doom. We'll have that top story more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help. Give us a subscribe. Give us a rating. Share it with a friend. All that good stuff. Let's get through the news of the craze, we call it, together. Uh, you can email us, quickstartpodcast at CBN. Dot org. Joining me on this Monday morning, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithware.com. Trey Gones Phillips is probably off skiing somewhere. He's on vacation this week. That's our, that's our running joke with Trey because he just always seems like he's skiing and he loves Christmas. And so even if it's in the middle of July, he's probably out there skiing somewhere. But happy even Monday, Billy. What's day. going on? What's that? Even if it's a sick day, he's he, out there skiing. Right. Yeah. It's a sick day. He's skiing. So whenever he's not here, he's skiing. That's, that, that's the rule here. That's the rule. But um, the main thing today, TikTok. Are you on TikTok, Billy? You know, I am, but I don't use it. Yeah. I don't I don't look at it, but I have an account. Uh, I just don't have time for all of the social media things. I can't. There are too many. There, there are too many. many. You know what? It's too much effort. And honestly, I mean, my, my wife loves to watch videos. And there's a lot of good Christian content. There's also a lot of other content on there. I just, I'm, I'm maxed out on social media. Yeah. Platform. Well, on the main thing today, um, Madison Seals is looking at the actual threat that using this app poses to America because of how China's using it. So looking forward to that report for Madison. But our first thing today, we're going to take a look at what's happening in the headlines and over at CBNnews.com. Several big stories going on. Firefighters in Yosemite are racing to save the national park's giant sequoia trees and other uh, property from a massive wildfire that began uh, last Thursday and has already consumed more than 2,000 acres. So that's going on over at CBN. Uh, President Joe Biden is visiting the Middle East this week for talks aimed at uh, resetting ties with Saudi Arabia, boosting Israel's security and addressing Palestinian concerns. Biden's Mideast tour is coming among a bunch of political instability with Israel and, and dangerous times in the Middle East. And on that front, the Presbyterian Church USA on Friday had passed a resolution classifying Israel as an apartheid state. So uh, you can uh, check out more on that story at CBNnews.com as well. And so a couple protests going on in Sri Lanka. It's in a political vacuum today with no clear end in sight after outraged demonstrators stormed government buildings over the weekend. In China, this is really interesting. Protesters are taking to the streets after several banks had frozen millions of dollars worth of deposits. And so video shows these protesters being stormed eventually by police. And the police are beating the protesters and they're kind of running them down. And that, that's women and elderly are in the mix there. And an interesting thing on this one, Billy, in China is that the protesters are being very careful to make sure the protest that they're protesting um, the local governments there not the communist national government like they've got pictures of mao up there and they're almost like begging for help from them isn't that interesting from from these protests i think it shows how fearful they are of the chinese government yeah and how you have to be strategic even in how you you know protest even in how you voice your opinion weighing the odds against what could happen if you protest the national government as well it's kind of crazy to watch yeah yeah, indeed. And um, also in Ukraine, they're searching for survivors following a Russian rocket attack on apartment buildings that killed at least 15 people. So uh, a lot going on. You can check out those headlines over on CBNnews.com. Uh, Elon Musk is responding today to the latest major development in what's now becoming an increasing feud with Twitter. And he tweeted out a meme earlier today of him laughing 
after Twitter supposedly lawyered up to sue him as it looks like he might be trying to drop the $44 billion a bid to take over the company. And so this meme sort of shows him laughing it up as as he's basically saying, oh, they said I couldn't buy Twitter. Now they're going to sue me. And then they're, you know, gonna I'm, they're going to have to show this bot information because he, he wants to show uh, that Twitter has all these bots. And before he bought it, he wanted to make sure that it was viable, that they actually had all the users that they said that they had. And so here he is, uh, you know, just asking for this information and it's it's turned into a feud over this. And so now he's saying, hey, well, now you're going to sue me. And so all of this information you're going to discover, you're going to have to show in court. Uh, and then he later tweeted another meme showing Chuck Norris playing chess and it says Chuck mate. Um, so <laughs> it's a pretty funny one there. But basically him just alluding to the fact that he's playing chess at this point with with Twitter Uh, But interesting to see if this deal is going to fall through, Billy. I know people had hoped that Musk would bring some sort of equality to the censorship that's going on on social media. You know, of conservatives, there's a lot of complaints that it's one-sided, very one-sided on Facebook and Twitter. And so there's a lot of frustration out there. And a lot of people saw Musk as this sort of figurehead that could probably bring an end to that, that he could sort of, um, you know, help level the playing field from the things he's saying. He's talking free speech. He's saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't be shutting these people down. Commenting on some prominent cases of um, conservative leaning accounts like Babylon B and libs of TikTok getting suspended. So what, but Billy, if this deal falls through, what do you, what do you think this does to the public conversation on that? You know, I think the public conversation is really being had now. And before it was only happening in sort of conservative circles, people sort of complaining legitimately about some of these acts of restriction. But now you've got people really talking about this. My sense is that he is playing, you know, chess here, not even just like checkers, but chess. He's being very strategic. Who knows what his end game is? Does he really want to back out of it? Is he hoping to bully them into providing more data? Who knows? But I think as far as the conversation goes, you have repeated example after example of people feeling cut out, feeling pushed down by the secular left. And, you know, this has happened in politics. It's happened on social media. And we don't really seem to learn our lesson. And when I say we, I mean the other side, you know, controlling these things. And so I think it's I think the conversation is going to progress and actually be pretty intense as we hit the midterms. You know, look, midterms and general elections. These are the times when you see a lot of these acts of restrictions seem to kick up into high gear. So. I'm really interested to see. I know there's there's going to be disappointment, but at the same time, he's helped elevate the actual discussion, I think. Yeah, and I think there's a bigger conversation to be had about the use of language. I kind of refer to it as a language wars at some point. I mean, you're seeing people be labeled hate groups. I mean, we've reported on this on CBN and Faithwire talking about how the SPLC has labeled several Christian groups hate groups, and there's really no... Um, justification for that beyond just the fact that they're Christian and they have a stance on, say, uh, marriage and the definition of marriage. And so then they become a hate group from this because of um, one side's definition of hate. And so you're seeing this move on so many fronts uh, for uh, one side of the spectrum on a lot of these issues to be labeled hate, to be labeled misinformation. There's a battle even over the fact checkers going on. And I think this is a crucial battlefield that's happening right now, essentially, over language and over truth. And can you say men can, you know, can't get pregnant and things like that? Um, we're moving into this world where people are trying to define truth or 
give truth no meaning, whatever your truth is. And so as Christians, I mean, we know that we're supposed to adhere to the truth. We're supposed to speak it in love. So this is a tough balance that we all have to navigate. But it's, um, it's I think, a bigger conversation that, and, that, and that's why I think people react on, it's not that they care so much about Twitter. You know, I, I, think, I think it's just the general idea of truth and what is real and, and are we allowed to say those things? And I think it matters for Christians, particularly as we talk about our faith. Can you, can you teach creation to your kids? Right. Are, are they going to be allowed to say stuff like that at school? Like, where does it all go? Where does it all end? And so I think it matters for us to be in that conversation right now. Well, 100%. You've got people walking around, running around the country right now, graffitiing and destroying churches and pro-life groups. Are they going to be added to you know, the extremist list, yeah. or the hate list? Are they not? You know, and, and I think when you have, when you have such top-down control of every form of communication, from the university classroom down to the media, down to Hollywood— um, and there's that assault on truth, it becomes even more paramount because we're watching an entire generation, Gen Z, coming up, and they've been raised on all of this, and there are actual real implications for not only love of country, understanding of issues, and obviously the basic truths of who we are and who God designed us to be. All of that is not only under assault, there's a systematic informational channeling that actually really does damage to people, and we're seeing that, again, in that young generation, mm. so there's, there's a lot at stake there. Yeah, there is, and one of those battlefronts there on that conversation is on the trans issue, for sure. And there is a trans teen speaking out um, about a Florida law, and they're sharing their personal story. What's going on there, Billy? Yeah, I mean, this is a direct you know, connection to what we were just talking about. We've got a story out of Florida. Now, there's a California team, teen named Chloe Cole. Uh, Chloe is a 17-year-old female. Um, but Chloe, for three years, from the age of 13 to 16, identified as male, identified as transgender, um, and no longer does. Again, she's 17. Um, and she flew from California to Florida last week to testify at this really interesting meeting. Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration, it deals with healthcare issues in Florida. They have this rule that DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has proposed. It's Rule 59G 1.050 for anybody interested in looking it up um, but it basically would deny medicaid coverage that's low for low-income individuals when it comes to transgender services so it would not it would no longer provide transgender services through medicaid so chloe flew again california to florida to speak on this issue and to share her story um, it's a really heartbreaking story and we have it um, over at Faithwire today, you'll be able to read about it. But um, she talked about how she didn't understand all the ramifications for the medical decisions she was making when she started transitioning at age 13, that she wasn't capable of understanding. Um, she talked about some of the irreversible ways in which she took action to try to align her gender identity to her body. Um, she had her breasts removed. And then really at this meeting, you know, speaking again in favor of this regulation, she said, quote, I don't know if I'll be able to carry a full-term child, and I might be at an increased risk for certain cancers, mainly cervical cancer. She said, and because I do not have breasts, I no longer have breasts, I am not able to breastfeed whatever future children I have. Uh, she talked about how this realization really led her to realize, quote, this was not the path that I should have taken. She said that no child should have to experience what she has gone through. 
And look, her her experience, she's brave to go out and speak on this. We know how difficult that is. We know what happens. Um, and again, she's 17 years old. Uh, but on her Twitter account, she's encouraging people um, to really get out there and to speak and to share um, and to to openly talk about their stories if they've detransitioned and for others to support them so that this conversation um, can change. And so there's a lot more details there, but there's no real final determination yet on this rule in Florida, but it's sparking a lot of debate. But people like Chloe are out there uh, supporting it. That's interesting. And uh, I, this focus on kids on this issue is really fascinating to me. I've seen a lot of people commenting. Even just recently, I saw one going around a viral post talking. The person was wearing a shirt said "Defend Trans Kids," and I think at what point do we, as parents, when we're when we're looking at our kids and we're raising our kids, when when can you know for sure, right, that that your kid is really dealing with this issue, or are they just confused because of what they're hearing in media? And so, I mean, look, it's incumbent on us as parents to really teach our kids the truth, of course, from a Christian perspective. You know, that would be that, you know, God made us male and female. And um, obviously there are, are complications in life and, and there's things going on in culture and we have to navigate all of those things. But I, I do think it's it's strange, this push to just whatever a kid says, especially young, 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 five years old, six years old. Oh, my kid is coming out as a trans. And it's like that that is a that's really you know dangerous territory at five years yeah. old. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I mean, you have kids, I have kids. We know that kids identify as all sorts of things. They say all sorts of things. They have imaginations. Um, and I'm not diminishing that this is a very real sure. and tragic issue for people. I'm not. But what I am saying is that, you know, as Christians, first of all, we don't go with every women feeling we have. That's right. The Bible tells us to do the exact opposite. But secondly, these are kids. And I think to Chloe's point, she had no idea the decision she was making. Yeah, you know, we have we have people out there saying you can't. First of all, you can't get a car on your own, a rental car, until you're 25, right? Yeah. Uh, but we're letting 13 year olds have surgery to remove their breasts. I mean, think about this. It's just, it's really a tragedy. And I think we're going to look back on this with the youth portion of it, especially, and say, mm. what in the world were we doing? Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right, thanks for that one, Billy. Uh, that leads us to our main thing today, and we're taking a look at TikTok, which is. Enjoyed by millions of people, not this one, uh, speaking to you right now, <laughs> but uh, but do those people understand how China is using the app and the threat it poses? Well, Madison Seals took a closer look at that on today's main thing. Well, happy Monday to everybody listening and welcome back to another busy week. If you're having a hard time getting focused this morning or finding yourself distracted by the endless short video feed of TikTok, this episode is for you because we're about to address the addictive and potentially dangerous nature of the China-owned social media app that goes much deeper than trendy dance videos. I have the founder and executive chairman of Center for Security Policy, Frank Gaffney, here with me today to discuss. Frank, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. I think most of our listeners are familiar with TikTok and probably just as familiar with the security cautions regarding China's ability to collect mass amounts of personal data through the app. But what kind of personal information do they collect and why is this something that we should take seriously? Well, I suspect you're right that they're familiar with the app. And I'd be a little surprised if they're as familiar with the security concerns that have been expressed about it. I hope they are, but if not, uh, I'm glad to have a chance to talk a little bit about them. Fundamentally, they're this. The Chinese Communist Party is the mortal enemy of the United States and freedom. 
Uh, we just published a book last week entitled The CCP is at War with America, which documents the various kinds of warfare, including most recently a biological warfare attack against us that they've engaged in. But this is only a part of the larger unrestricted warfare that China has undertaken against this country. And one aspect of that unrestricted warfare is the use of information technology, uh, social media, and the data that is generated by them for the nefarious purposes of the Chinese Communist Party. And those can include things like simple surveillance using both big data and quantum computing and um, artificial intelligence to analyze that data and weaponize it. Um, and weaponize it means to take advantage of the personal information that an app like TikTok hoovers up on all of its users. That can be everything from, you know, your taste in uh, trendy dance videos, as you say, uh, obviously, but a whole host of other things. Um, the people that you interact with, uh, your personal data about, you know, who you are, your health, your uh, place of employment, your place of uh, abode, uh, you know, right on down, your financial uh, information. And the trouble is that we know what the Chinese do with this kind of information. They put it into a big data machine. Uh, it's called the social credit system in China, um, but it has, you know, other ways of describing it elsewhere. But the basic point is the same. The Chinese Communist Party seeks to control everybody. And TikTok is uh, a very seductive, very addictive, very powerful weapon in their arsenal for doing just that. And a member of the Federal Communications Commission, Brendan Carr, shared a letter recently on Twitter written to Apple's CEO and Alphabet or Google CEO pointing to reports that TikTok was non-compliant with the two companies' own App Store policies. What are some of the concerns that Carr pointed out in this letter? Well, his, his principal concern is that all the things that I've just shared are threats to our national security. That if you have our population either subject to Chinese communist surveillance or perhaps susceptible to manipulation or compromise, that can cause problems for the nation as a whole. Let me give you one example. Uh, the U.S. military, incredibly, is at this very moment using TikTok to try to identify potential candidates for recruitment. If the U.S. military is doing that, you can bet the Chinese Communist Party is monitoring whatever it's doing and seeking ways in which that can be exploited. Mm -hmm. And a, a big concern, I think, to Brendan Carr and, and certainly to me is if you know the innermost personal details of individuals, uh, you can utilize, you can exploit, you can weaponize that. And if they happen to go into government service or into the military or in sensitive positions in private sector positions, they will be, you can bet, targeted by the Chinese Communist Party. I think um, Commissioner Carr is exactly right. And I very strong, strongly endorse what he is suggesting in terms of, you know, these app stores dropping this 
insidious app. And I think more generally, it should be banned in this country. To quote just one part of his letter, Carr said, TikTok is not what it appears to be on the surface. It's not just an app for sharing funny videos or memes. That's the sheep's clothing. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the quote. It seems like the mixture of short videos with the short attention spans of teens and children is the perfect storm for addiction. But that's not even the most dangerous part of it. As we're discussing, we know that the Chinese Communist Party is not at all in line with American values. And not only does the CCP not hold American values, they'd squash them publicly. Is TikTok just one of China's surveillance and propaganda tools? It's hard for the average American to really appreciate the full magnitude of what we're talking about. Um, but let me just give you one example. In communist China recently, several banks simply froze the accounts of many of their clients. And when large numbers of those people decided that they were going to travel to, I think again, Shanghai, for the purpose of demonstrating, you know, in the hopes of getting their money back, you know what happened? In the social credit system, their health status was changed from green, meaning they could travel, to red, meaning they could not. And suddenly, mm -hmm. their lives were turned upside down. They not only lost their money, they lost their ability maybe to go to work or to earn you know, a salary or to feed their family or to get to school or any number of other things. And that's the kind of comprehensive control the Chinese Communist Party seeks. Data is an enabler of it. What they're also putting into place through the so-called China model that they've exported to the world in the aftermath of the pandemic that they precipitated, again, the subject of our book, The CCP is at War with America, is to institute in countries like this, the rest of the social credit system for surveilling, monitoring, and controlling populations, including ours. Yeah, this is clearly not child's play. And yet, China has seemingly specifically targeted teens and children with the creation of and advertising on this TikTok app. So how big of a threat is TikTok to youth culture in America? The Chinese are using this platform endlessly to propagandize about the, the merits of their system, uh, the wonders of it. And there are an awful lot of young people, I think, who are seduced into believing that socialism is actually the wave of the future. That's very frightening. Right. And Frank, you've made the point that the Chinese Communist Party would never allow us to operate an uh, app comparable to TikTok in their country. Why is not. that? Well, this is this is one of the dirtiest little secrets of our bilateral relationship. They won't allow us to do any of the things they take advantage of being able to do in our country, uh, buying farmland, buying food producers. There's no reciprocity. What is mine is mine. And what is yours is, well, maybe negotiable or maybe I'm just going to take it. That's the way the Chinese operate. Well, this is a good security reminder to be cautious with what we post online and to do so intentionally and with purpose. But it sounds like much more federal action is needed to eliminate the threat of TikTok by banning it from the U.S. entirely, not just cautioning its users. I believe that's true. The Indians did that uh, after the Chinese attacked them and I think quite rightly said, hey, you know, we're shutting down a bunch of those apps, not just TikTok. I, I think we should be following suit. Look, if we're right that China is at war with us, yes, I think the federal government needs to lead the way in telling not just users of TikTok and these other Chinese apps, 
the federal government needs to be acting on that consistently, comprehensively, and as though our lives depend on it, because they do. Frank, we'll have to leave it there. But at Frank with the Center for Security Policy, thank you for coming on the podcast today and for getting this important information out there. Thank you for allowing me to do so. All right, Madison, thank you so much for that. And that leaves us with time for one last thing today. Billy, we've got another really dramatic video, and we've seen a few of these lately, but this one is... It's pretty insane, pretty intense video. It is, you know, and these body cameras, they keep catching these moments, but this was in New Jersey. Um, there was a situation where a car's electrical systems failed and this man, this 54 year old man was trapped inside his car. The car was on fire. The fire was coming inside of the car and the police were trying to get him out. And they literally got this guy out of the car with maybe like one or two mm. seconds to spare before the car was overtaken with flames. It's a crazy video, um, but it, it shows really the dangers that cops sort of put themselves in to save other people's lives because it was dangerous for them as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And God bless all those who are putting their lives on the line for uh, strangers, really. It's uh, it's remarkable stuff. So you can check that video out over at faithwire.com. And that is all the time we have for today's podcast episode. Uh, again, don't forget to subscribe for more news from a Christian perspective. You can also head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. And email us at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Well, God bless you and Lord willing in that creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>